you love your husband. I love my husband so much. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's his child. Right. So I have to remember that, you Mm -hmm. know, and I have to find some love somewhere or at least continually forgive every day and not allow myself to be bitter. You're listening to the Nacho Kids podcast, where we discuss all things step family related, real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. Welcome to episode 189 of the Nacho Kids Podcast. Welcome, everybody. You know, I still have to consciously make myself not go podcast. (laughs) Every time I have to think about it. It is not two words. Because I want to say... Welcome to episode 189 of the Nacho Kids Podcast. (laughs) That's the funky way to do it. I'm a little funky. Yeah, you little something. Okay. So, David, what's going on, man? What's going on? Just living a dream, man. Living the dream. The blended dream. (laughs) The blended dream. (laughs) Well, we did have some changes inside the Nacho Kids Academy. I think we may have mentioned this in our last episode, but David busted his butt Mm -hmm. over New Year's Day weekend to give the Academy a facelift. Mm -hmm. And it looks really good, if you ask me. And you can ask other people, and they'll tell you the same thing. Yep. Well, it's important that you like it above all else. No, it's important that our users (laughs) like it above all else. No, I don't live with them. I live with you. That's true. That's true. So, for those that do not know, David and I, well, David is a granddaddy <laughs> to two. Two youngins. Two youngins. <laughs> Little baby G turned a year old in November. And the day after, little baby L was born. I know. Isn't that crazy? Mm-hmm. The good thing is we can do one birthday. No, you cannot. <laughs> yeah, I can. No, you can't. That's wrong. Why not? That's just wrong. How do you think? So, anyway. I didn't do the separate birthdays for the triplets. That's because they shared a birthday and they were brothers. <laughs> Come on now. Don't do those babies like that. So, anyway, being a grandparent, a step-grandparent, has its own challenges. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting because over Christmas, one of your children, the oldest one, who will remain nameless right this second. (laughs) That won't be hard to figure out. (laughs) I said something about the baby, baby L loving me. Mm -hmm. He's like, she doesn't love you. She loves me more. And I was like, no, she doesn't. And he said, you're not even family. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, how dare you? <laughs> and then I think, he's right. <laughs> yeah, you're not blood, but he is. Yeah. So, again, I have to go, okay, don't take it personally. It's the truth. That mm-hmm. baby is no relation to me. None whatsoever. Right. But I still love her, and she still loves me, just like (laughs) baby G. And 
The next day, David's oldest son's wife went to go take the baby from him, baby L from him, and he's like, get away. You're not family. (laughs) And I'm like, how dare him say that? And then I started thinking, she's no more family or blood-related, we'll say. I don't like the word family, but she's no more blood-related to baby L than I am. Mm -hmm. It made me feel sad for her, but it also made me feel better that I wasn't the only one. You know, it's kind of it's different, definitely, but it reminds me of when I was a lot younger, my aunt and uncle divorced. And the uncle is the one that's the family member. Right. So when they got divorced, I'm like, well, is she still my aunt? <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, what is she now? And Your ex-aunt? Uh, yeah. And it's like, it's my cousin's mom still, but how do I now, you know, address her? I don't know. Oh, you think that's complicated? My uncle was married five times. <laughs> but it's, you know, things like that. And then when he got remarried... I'm like, okay, is she my aunt now? Or, you know, is she like my second aunt? She's the replacement (laughs) aunt. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's just, of course, I was younger, but I was like, I don't understand how the the naming convention changes now all of a sudden. But the one that got me was like my aunt. Like, she'd been my aunt since I was born. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, one day, she's divorcing my uncle. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know who she is anymore. (laughs) (laughs) She was really weird. But even when I got divorced, like I had these nieces and nephews that, you know, we, they, they knew me since birth. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, yeah, David's not around anymore. <laughs> so I do not believe that David's oldest child was trying to hurt my feelings. Nah, he was pushing your buttons. He was pushing <laughs> my buttons. Now, I have pushed his buttons. For instance, I made the comment at Easter that next year I was going to get baby G a golden egg. And the oldest child of David said, you never got me a golden egg. I was like, (laughs) yeah, because I'm nacho mama. (laughs) So we have to remember that, first of all, the titles don't mean crap. Mm -mm. Little baby G and little baby L are going to love me as if I was one of their blood grandparents. Yeah, they're not going to know the difference. Right. Until your son tells them. <laughs> She's not even blood. She's nacho grandma. <laughs> I had to give me a nacho grandma shirt. There we go. With that being said, though, it is easier to love these babies than it was to love my stepkids. <laughs> I'm sure for now. Right. <laughs> because the babies are babies. Yep. And they're so cute and they're precious and they're adorable and they don't talk back yet. Mm-hmm. It'll come. But I'm also curious, and I'd love to hear from other step-grandmas, how you feel when it's your step-kid's kid versus your bio-kid's kid. Mm-hmm. Because as much as I love baby G and baby L, I feel very sure that the love I will have for Jackson's child, if he has one or two or whatever— will be different. Mm-hmm. But it's not that I won't still love the step-grandkids. So that'll be interesting. So I want to hear from you people, the step-grandmas that have bio-grandkids and step-grandkids. I want to hear from you. And 
if it was different or if it's not. Okay. There you go. Yeah. And hopefully Jackson won't have a child for a while, but when he does, (laughs) I'll let you know. (laughs) Yes, please. Not for a long while. Yep. Not for a little while. Sweet baby boy. And also one of David's kids said he plans on having four. Yeah. I heard that. Yeah. So we figure, we know one of them doesn't want kids. So that leaves three of David's kids. One of them has one and another one has one. The oldest hasn't said how many kids they want, but I think they want more. Mm-hmm. And then Ethan said he wants four. Actually, he said 10. And then he changed <laughs> it to four. Good grief. But he wants the next three to be boys. That's what he said. But now here's the problem, though, is he wants a boy so bad that if he doesn't get one, he'll keep trying. Yes. And he'll have six girls or something crazy. And then he's got a brother that's competitive. <laughs> but he actually said that he wants the next one to be a set of boy triplets. <laughs> oh, gosh. He does not know what he's asking there. He doesn't. Oh, Lord. So you figure if each of those three have two, and then Ethan has four because he said he's going to have four, that's eight grandkids. Mm-hmm. Isn't that awesome? You know how much fun that'll be? Yeah. You know how much money I won't have? <laughs> Yeah. Because you can't help but buy baby stuff. All right, folks. So we're going to start taking advertisements on the podcast. If anybody's <laughs> interested in buying an advertising spot. <laughs> to support the grandbabies, the future yeah. grandbabies. No kidding. My future uh, nacho grandbabies. Man, I'm having flash forwards, not flashbacks. <laughs> anyway, enough of that. Our guest today is Jamie. She's been blending for 12 years has two stepkids and two bio kids. They have all moved out at this point. Their ages are 24, 20, 20, and 19. And they have an hour's daughter, 10. Woo! Surprise! (laughs) Gotta love the surprises. There's one in every box. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Can anybody, anybody know where that's from? Cracker Jacks. There you go. Good job. Yeah, I used to love getting Cracker Jacks. <laughs> she met her significant other at church. The kids were in church together, so they knew each other, and they all got along. Great. Until what? No, there's no until. They get along. Oh, fantastic. Mm-hmm. They did have to go to court with the ex, because the ex is high conflict, because they wanted to take the kids to Disney. Oh, gosh. Can you imagine being a judge? And Jamie and I talk about this a little bit in the interview. Can you imagine being a judge? And you've got this family court case that comes in front of you, and this child is being neglected. They're not being fed. They're not being taken care of. And that's a horrible case. Then the next one is because bio mom doesn't want bio dad taking the kid to Disney. Yeah. I would, I don't know. I don't know what I would do. I mean, like, get out of my courtroom. Well, I still need to find a retired judge. I need to make a note of that because I really want to talk to a judge on here about stuff like that because you know it has to frustrate them. Yeah. We have to have to like mask their voice. Yeah. As much as they're not supposed to use emotion in their decisions, mm-hmm. you go from trying to save little Susie's life, literally, to people fighting over Disney. It would it would make me mad. 
And I would be short with the people from wanting to go to Disney. Yeah. Oh, I would. Yeah. I'd be like, oh, my God. <laughs> You'd be like, Judge Judy up there, wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We do talk about the court system a good bit in this podcast because the 13-year-old at the time did not want to go to the mom's. So they went to court and ended up losing time. Mm-mm. Uh-huh. Yo, we tell you, the court system's like gambling. You might as well throw a ball on that little roulette wheel and watch it spin. Your chances of getting what you want in the court system is about as good as you hitting a red eight. I don't even know if there's a red eight on that thing. But anyway. <laughs> there's some red numbers on there. Yep. So, yeah, they ended up losing time, and the judge gave by a mom custody. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And it's not like there was something bad going on. It's crazy. You'll just have to listen. Does it have anything to do with Disney? No, it has nothing to do with Disney. <laughs> but I'm trying to remember. I don't remember if it was this podcast or another podcast where the judge is like, don't come back in here with this crap. But can they do that, really? Like, can you? Can they say never come back and you can't come back? From my understanding, they can do whatever they want to do. You can, of course, appeal their decision. Mm-hmm. But remember that guy that I interviewed from England that the England quote, quote police or whatever said that he, had, <laughs> he better get me to take that down? That was one of the things that they had told him, that he could not come back in that courtroom until February of 2023. It just seems odd that they can tell you you have no, I don't know, is it even called due process when it's family court? I don't know what it is. More like doo-doo like, process. <laughs> yeah, but it's just like you, you, can't, you can't come and use the court system, which is for the people. Well, I, I don't know. What they'll probably say is if I see you in this courtroom again, you're not going to like it. Yeah. Which, all the times that I went to court, I think that twice I had the same judge, and he was very kind. But I did have a judge straight out of the gate when we walked in that said, if you can't get along, I'm going to make sure nobody's happy. Ooh. Yeah. Well, that'll scare you to death. Mm-hmm. But I have to say, I was happy when I left the courtroom. So <laughs> he may think that I wasn't happy, but I was happy. It's like, Your Honor, I'm already not happy. What you going to yeah. do about that? <laughs> it's like they pressure you to come to these agreements with your ex so they don't have to get involved. Yeah. And even mediation is a gamble because the mediator can say, oh, well, if you go to court, depending on the judge, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And, of course, your attorney might know some of the judges, but they're not going to know all of them. If you have a visiting judge... You're not going to know what they think or how they're going to respond to your case. Anyway, family court system, doo-doo. It's the doo-doo <laughs> process. All right, David, get me off this subject. Let's li- get to listening. All right, let's get to listening. Today, we have stepmom, Jamie. Hey, Jamie, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Good. So how long have you been blending? Well, we've been married 12 years, and we dated two years before we got married. So been in each other's children's lives for 14 years or more. Okay. And how many kids, stepkids, ours kids, all that stuff? So he had two um, biological children and I had two from previous marriages and then got married and had a surprise, our baby. Surprise. Um, Yes. (laughs) 
<laughs> she's 10. And then our next oldest one is 19. And then the boys are both 20. And then our oldest is 24. Wow. Yes. So you Indeed. do have a pretty good age gap there. Yes. Yes, we do. This is her first year as a single child. I was going to ask you how many of the stepkids and bio kids other than your hours daughter still live at home? None. The last one, the 19-year-old's a freshman in college. So the rest of them, one is in college um, in Florida. Sarah, our oldest, is in New York. She lives in New York City. She went to college there and stayed. Wow. And then Ethan is in Orlando. Those are He's at college. Those are my husband's two biological children. And then my son is a missionary in Tapachula, Mexico, which is crazy. He's 20. Oh, that's and then, awesome. Yes. And then our 19-year-old, my 19-year-old daughter is a freshman at the University of Alabama. Goodness. So, you've got kids everywhere. Everywhere. Yes. <laughs> wow. So you got married 12 years ago. That would have made your stepdaughter 12. Yes. And your stepson, eight. Yep. Your bio son, eight. Your bio daughter, seven. Yes. Yep. So they were fairly young. They were right before the preteen years. Yes. Right. Well, let's back up even a little bit further. How did you and your husband meet? We went to church together, met through there, and then slowly dated. So it's kind of funny. Our children knew each other before we even dated just from the children's church situation. So they've actually, the boys are six weeks apart and they were in like nursery at church together from, I guess, probably about two years old on up. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. So when y'all started dating, did things get weird with the kids at all? Probably. Yeah. (laughs) We are really unique and, and we've been through a lot court, a gazillion. I mean, those, there's been some really rough years, but one of the huge positives, um, my husband and I were talking about this week is our children really get along with each other. Mm-hmm. The boys, especially they've, they actually have always shared a room and they, they're good friends with each other. Sarah, the oldest and Abby, the 19 year old at first there was tension, you know, I was coming in and taking her daddy, you know, she had a little bit of the I think they call it like the little wife syndrome, Mm -hmm. you know, but then both girls competitively danced together. And so at the same dance studio, so that kind of brought them together and now they're very, very good friends. So that has been a silver lining in the hard journey of blending a family is at least they all get along. Yes. And at least, you know, to count that as your blessing. Oh, Yes, I've I've read the stories on your Facebook page. <laughs> Ooh, they're scary, girl. <laughs> they are. <laughs> because it's yeah. hard enough, and then the last thing you need is the kids fighting. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So we're very thankful for that, that component piece of it, for sure. But it's been a journey. So we have very high-conflict bio mom, really difficult. And then my ex-husband and I co-parent, okay, like we're fine. We're, he just really isn't super present, mm-hmm. but there's never been any conflict really with him. So he loves his children and, and he's a good dad, but he's just, he just works a lot. So, right. so that's kind of been the situation, but with the 
my stepchildren's mom, uh, we were in court when they were little, like to go to Disney World. We had to have a judge okay us to take them to Disney World. So that extreme to where we are today, I would tell those people out there that are struggling, like just hold on, it does get better. Those first those first years are really can be really really tough. Yeah, and the court system is not fun. No, no. I have to ask. Did the judge think it was ridiculous that you had to go to court to be able to take these kids to Disney? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was crazy. I'll just never forget because we were sitting there, you know, and there's children that are like being sexually abused, right? And physically abused or murder trials and stuff. And we're sitting there trying to get the okay for us to get in the car from the courthouse and go to Disney World for on our week, our week vacation, it was, it was, there was some really crazy moments. And so unfortunately the children got put in the middle a lot. Mm -hmm. That just sucks for them. It was, it was hard. Okay. You said get in the car and go to Disney. So is it a 12 hour drive? What was her reason for not wanting you to take them? So uh, this, this is funny. There's so many instances where I can tell you we were in court for like the stupidest things, but this one probably takes the cake, but So Sarah, she was seventh grade, probably eighth grade. We hadn't been married very long. So maybe a year or two years. And she had a band camp. Well, her dad had already gotten okay from the band. She was going to miss two days of band camp and had already gotten it approved through the school set up. We set up private lessons with the teacher who she was, she was a baton. She was twirling a baton at that point, mm-hmm. got private lessons set up so that she would catch up and all that stuff. But she just filed a order with the judge asking him to stop us from going. So we're about 10 hours from Disney. Okay. So we dealing with, with that situation, they followed I mean, we followed the divorce papers to the period, comma, Mm -hmm. you know, everything in our lives initially, really initially revolved around visitation with his children. And then it's crazy. I didn't run into your Nacho podcast till they were, I don't know, sophomores, juniors, probably the boys. Mm -hmm. So we had kind of figured out a little of that on our own a little of it, but then it was kind of like, once I found, I found you guys from um, Ron Deal. I think uh-huh. you were on his podcast. And um, I was like, oh, I need to check this out. And so I started listening and, and it, I think it just kind of gave me some freedom to step even more into the idea of, of nachoing. So it was, it was really good. But initially it was really hard because we tried to make sure that like everything in our lives revolved around when Ethan and Sarah were going to be present. Like we couldn't celebrate anybody's birthday unless they were there. And, and then finally it just got to be where it was just taking over our lives so much that my, my husband just finally said, you know what, they're just going to miss out on things. Yeah. They're just, they're just going to eventually miss out on some stuff. And that was hard. It was really hard, but because at that point we were still trying to create this like perfect family. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, um, <laughs> and so then when, when we got into the realization, like, you know, this is, it's just, it's just where we are. The kids were fine with it. It didn't break their hearts, you know, that they missed out on so-and-so's birthday. And then as they got older, they, once they started driving, they would make it to things that were important to them. Right. You know, and a lot of times I think we make things worse than they need to be. 
And my son tells me a lot, you care more about whatever it is than I do. Or you're more yes. concerned about it than I am. And because we think, oh, if we leave one of the kids out for the birthday party or they can't have a birthday party together, it's just not right. Yes. And sometimes they're like, it's okay. Yeah, they really don't care. Honestly, that's kind of what I've learned. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> sometimes they just, it's like, yeah, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, you're right. So did she just try to keep them from you or, or from y'all? Or did she just try to make your life difficult? Yes. Yes and yes. And it's really interesting because seeing what he went through, he was really, really involved in his children's life. And through the court system, like initially they had joint custody. It was crazy. And then the daughter wanted to live with us full time. So she took us back to court. And the judge actually gave her full custody, reduced my husband's visitation drastically. It was, it's in Alabama. It's very much a mom-centered state. Okay, wait a minute. Back up. She was taking out a court for what? Because at this point, Sarah was 13 and Uh she decided she didn't want to live with her mom anymore. She wanted to live with us. Okay. So you went to court and you actually lost time with her? Yes, lost drastic time. Yeah, it was crazy. They were 50-50 visitation, and they the judge went to the standard order here in Alabama, which is one evening a week, so not even overnight, just dinner pretty much from until 8 p.m., one evening a week and every other weekend. So it, it was really hard for me. I watched a dad, and I think a lot of times dads don't always get credit for the emotional stuff that they go through. Right. Right. And I just watched his heart just be broken. And it really gave me empathy and compassion for a lot of those dads out there. Like I was, you know, I, I didn't, neither my husband or I grew up in a divorced family. So we had no idea what it was like, had no idea with the children. And I used to be judgmental of those dads that were like, walked away from their kids, just like, see ya, you know? Right. And I just used to think, why, how could they do that? Well, I watched my husband be hurt so many times that I totally got it. It was like, oh, I get, I get why sometimes the pain is so bad that they eventually just stop trying, you know? And I don't know that we always give men as much grace and compassion and empathy as we do moms, but it was really interesting to me to, for me to sit on that side and watch the stuff that he went through. It was bad. Yeah. Yeah. And laws in Alabama need to be changed. It's crazy. Laws everywhere need to be changed. And they do. if you've listened to this podcast, you know, I am not a fan of the family court system. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'm beginning to realize I'm not a fan of any court system. Yeah. They all need to be revamped. Well, you're putting your life in the hands of one person who has no idea what's going on in between the walls. Right. And I read something on Facebook the other day. So it's interesting you brought this up that said, don't put your children's lives in the hands of a judge or your attorney. Exactly. But if you go to court, how do you not? I know. I know. So if parents could, if I could tell people anything is try to work out something without that situation, you know, compromise, do what you can to try to 
keep the children, you know, in the center and the anger and bitterness that you have from whatever in the marriage, the divorce, all that stuff, you know, it's really hard to let that go. And some people just can't, I don't feel like the biological mom in our situation, she couldn't, she couldn't let it go. And so it was just, everything was targeted at trying to hurt my husband as much as she could. But in the end, it just ended up hurting her children as much as it did. Did the judge give y'all a reason why he ended up losing time? Because um, we'd already been in the court system like six times. He'd already seen us like six times. So because they had joint custody. So when they gave her full custody, then it pretty much just took the arguing away. She decided everything from that point forward. But it wasn't your fault that y'all were in the court system that many times. Nope. Nope. But they're so overwhelmed. Like they have so many cases, right? Like he doesn't want to be dealing with going to Disney World, right? So uh, because he's dealing with serious issues. So I think he was just kind of tired of seeing us and just decided like if I give at least her custody, maybe I won't see him again. And it worked. We never went back again after that. I mean, because and there was multiple things that she was in contempt of court for or, you know, that we could have taken her back. But it just it's not worth it. You know, it just wasn't worth it to do that. It seems like that maybe wasn't in the best interest of the child. No, definitely not. No, but, you know, it was crazy. I watched my husband go into really almost depression, like deep grief, deep grief. And he really did have to grieve. And we're obviously faith-filled people. And one Sunday at church, we kind of walked out of church and can't even tell you what the sermon was about. but, But what he heard from the Lord was every parent has to go through their children moving on. Like, you know, typically, right? Your children turn just like Abby just did. She graduates from high school and she moves on to college and she started her life and I'm good if I get to talk to her once or twice a week, right? Mm -hmm. So every parent is going to experience that. Unfortunately for him, he had to experience it when they were 10 and 13, right? So it was just kind of like this timeline moved up. I don't know. He just felt like the Lord gave him that as a sense of peace, you know, like we make such a big deal and it is a big deal um, about the first 18 years that they're in our lives. But when you play the long game, right, and you realize, like, no, they're going to be around, we pray, right, Mm -hmm. Um, in their 30s and 40s and 50s, let's not make such a huge deal about what's happening between 13 and 18. Like, I don't know. That was just kind of where he had to set his mind to be able to absorb it and move forward and not get bitter, right? And so then every moment that we had, we just made it as good as we could from that point forward. But I don't know if that made sense. No, it does. It it does. But I'm sitting here thinking, you know, all the stuff's going through my head and I'm thinking, well, do you regret trying to go to court to get the daughter to live with y'all? Of course you do. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. But again, there is so much that is out of our control. And what your husband did was took what was out of his control and instead controlled how he let it affect him. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's really a lot of the basis with the Nacho Kids method. It's you can't control if little Johnny's a brat, but you don't have to engage with him and you don't have to let him talk to you poorly. 
but you also don't need to be mad about it for three days. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because you can't control, you know, that's, I think that was, that's been the hardest thing with blending. Right. And I think you probably hear this from everybody is people outside of your home have major influence on what happens inside of your home. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of the frustration and anger and everything that you deal with is because you have lack of control of yes. sometimes what's even going on in your home. Yes. But you do have control of your behavior and your choices, you know, mm-hmm. and I didn't always do that well, but I try. <laughs> no, it, it takes practice. Oh, yes, 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 it does. It, it definitely takes practice. So what did the kids say, especially the daughter, since she was the one that wanted to stay with y'all and didn't want to go to mom's when this happened? And is she like, what the crap? Yeah, it was really bad. And looking back now, so she was 13 and they put her on the stand and she had to testify against her mom in front of court, in front of the, in front of her mom. So yeah, looking back, I think that's had a major impact, obviously, on her. Yeah. And our attorney pretty much came to us and said, your dad is going to end up potentially, she was pushing for jail time for him. He could go to jail if you don't go back to your mom's. So she just felt like she had to do that. And so I think we kind of watched some of her spunk and her fight for life die a little bit. Right. And maybe that's, well, it is. I think it's still affecting her today. It's just interesting. It's been an interesting journey for her that I hate that she had to go through. We sought counselors and stuff like that, but it just, it, those things affect your children, you know, yes. it, it, it affects your, it really does affect your children. Well, and I'm sure it didn't help her and her mom have a good relationship. No, but it's, it's, that's an interesting thing. So I think that they've learned to kind of compartmentalize some, um, mm-hmm. not a psychologist or anything like that, but so through, through the years, they just kind of learn to survive and function, you know, mm-hmm. and their mom loves them. I know she loves them. Definitely. They're, you know, her children, but I don't think she understands, like, I don't know. They just kind of play pretend a lot. Like, let's just forget that all that ever happened. And they've just been able to move on. So now they're friends, very close friends, her mom and her are and it's interesting for her, me to kind of sit and watch that happen when I know all of the backstory. Yeah. But that's a that's a nacho thing. I can't, you know, that's not my relationship. So Yeah. I'm thinking that we as people in general, we tend to let's just do that. Let's just forget about it, push it under the rug, not talk about it, and move on. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's good. But sometimes it's not. And I've realized different people need different things. So, for instance, my sister, she would always say something about us growing up. And she wanted to rehash things. And I said, I don't need to do this. She said, but I do. I need some type of closure. Mm -hmm. And I said, I have no desire to go back through these painful and unpleasant childhood memories. And if that's what you need, then that's okay, but go talk to somebody else. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's not, I've thought about this a lot. 
it's not that I act like nothing happened. It's just I choose not to let that define me or take my joy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what Sarah has done. I mean, she is a happy, well-rounded, intelligent woman. You know, she's become that. And I think that's just, that's her choice, you know, of how she's chosen to just kind of let that go and and move on. Right. I'm probably more like your sister. Like I've got to hash it out and let's let's at least hash it out and then we can move on. So. Well, it depends on what it is. Yes. Yeah. And I guess I look at it as, yeah, my mom was not the nicest person sometimes. And we all know that. So I don't need to have that memory of let me go back to the first grade when she did this. Yeah. 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 But now if Dave and I are going through something, then yeah, I want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. I want to resolve it. But I've also realized that sometimes as I'm going to say as women, I'm going to jump out on a limb here and say as women, <laughs> when we fight with our significant other, we want to follow them around and we want to nag them until they talk to us and make things okay. A lot of times they need space. Yeah. Allow them to have that space. It's okay if you table the conversation for 30 minutes, half a day. That doesn't mean it's not going to be discussed. But following somebody around when they need some space is not a good idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Or if you need to gripe to them about whatever their kid is doing, you know, mm-hmm. usually that's not good to do in the heat of the moment. Like, no, <laughs> no. And a lot of people um, say with the whole nacho thing, oh, I can't say anything negative about his kids to him. No, you can't. But you can talk to him about the issues you're having. There's a difference, mm-hmm. and it's how you approach it. If I go say, your kid is the sloppiest, messiest, laziest young and on the face of the earth, and you need to do something. That's not going to go over well. No. Whereas if I say, honey, I am really struggling with the mess in the house and I need help. You're conveying the same thing. Absolutely. Yeah. But you're not bringing up their kid. Yeah. That's something we kind of realized real early. And, you know, you have your rose colored glasses on towards your own children. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, as we were first learning to all live together and all that stuff, you know, like I would see stuff that his kids were doing that was, I mean, I just sit there and think, I can't believe he's just letting them do that. <laughs> and <laughs> vice versa. Right. I mean, yes. he was seeing it too. And, and he, I'll never forget. He was like, your children are really disrespectful to you. And I, what, mm-hmm. what are you talking about? My children are not disrespectful to me. Well, I grew up in a very rule-oriented home where it was like, I mean, very legalistic kind of home. Like you couldn't get your ears pierced till you were 12. Well, why? Mm-hmm. Because that's the rule, right? Right. So I felt like I, when I was raising my kids, I was always giving them the why behind the rule, mm-hmm. which led to them questioning me a bunch, right? Yes. Questioning everything I said. Um, so I swung the pendulum too far. Well, immediately he saw that, mm-hmm. you know, like. And to him, that came across really disrespectful. They were disrespectful to me. 
that was a fun conversation, but, but it wasn't in the heat of a moment. It wasn't in a fight. I think we have been able to have conversations like that. Like, Hey, this is just a little bit of a check. That's been something we've had to work on um, a lot is being able to hear truth about your children in love. And because they want the best, you know, the, we don't trust our, our step parents heart toward our children. right? Right. Like, we don't. But as we grew our marriage, you know, now he can say things and I don't get defensive at all. But initially it was like, what are you talking about? You know? Yeah. But that those are those are hard moments to walk through too when you're first blending for sure. Yeah. I know David, he can say something about Jackson and it depends on how he says it. If it's mm-hmm. coming from a place of love, you can tell the difference. Absolutely. Yeah. If it's coming from a place of love or concern versus criticism, I don't get defensive. Yes. But if it's anything critical, (laughs) oh, girl, I mean, and we've been married 13 years. Right. I know. It's still my baby. He giggles. I have a strong, strong mama bear response. Right. Mm -hmm. And not just with my children, with him too. You know, I think the maddest I've ever been at my stepchildren is... I get, I only get mad at them really when they're hurting him, when they've hurt him. Right. I think most times I've been frustrated with them. And so so I just tell him that all the time. I'm like, I have a mama bear with you too. So just, just be nice. Yeah. But the thing (laughs) is, and I'm sure you've learned this too. Those kids can hurt them and hurt them and hurt them. And we can see that pain. Yep. But once it comes down to, oh, the kid's ready to be part of the family again or forgive the kid wants to move past that, we'll say. Yep. They're going to be quick to forgive their kids. Whereas we're like, well, wait a minute. Don't you remember when they did this to you? Yeah, exactly. It is so much harder to forgive. It is. Yeah. It is. It's because we don't have that unconditional love for them. Yeah. Yep. And I know that people are saying, oh, you don't love your stepkids unconditionally. I love my stepkids. But if one of them hurt my son, no. Yeah. I could still care about them. I don't want anything bad to happen to them. But there are conditions to that love. There's conditions to my love for David. Absolutely. Yep. If he wants to go play gigolo, then we're done. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. Those are boundaries. Yeah. And we, but we live in this pretend world where, you know, oh, you're supposed to love your stepchildren. You knew what was, what you were getting into, mm-hmm. right? You knew mm-hmm. what, what you were getting into. And I always say all the time, I'm like, no, I didn't, you know, yeah. nobody, I never dreamed as a little girl that I would get, grow up, get married and get divorced and get remarried. That's no little girl's dream, right? Right. Nobody sits there and dreams for that life. Mm -hmm. So no, I had no idea what I was getting into. None. Thankful for it. I'm so thankful for my life today. I can't, I mean, there's no regrets. I don't feel regretful about the journey that I've been on, but I don't wish it on my children. You know, I, I think that's the thing I, I, speak to them all about so much is, well, I think it's probably besides making Jesus the Lord of your life. I think the second most important decision you make in your life is who you choose to marry Mm -hmm. because divorce sucks. You know, it just does. And I just don't want that for any of our kids. Right. Exactly. 
We always want better for our kids than we had for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it has made me a much better person. I think way less judgmental. I have, I have become a way less judgmental person walking through this journey. Oh yeah. <laughs> and it has stretched me, but the idea that like, you're supposed to love your stepchildren as you love your kids. I just, it's funny that it flies in the face of society, but it's true. Nobody wants to talk, give truth. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to speak truth. People yeah. don't like truth. No, they don't. So, Yeah. And that's when people get upset about the whole nacho thing. It's reality. I'm not trying to bash you or bash your stepkids or anything. Mm -mm. It's reality. They are not your kids. Yeah. Yep. It's simple, really. And talking about that, you knew what you were getting into. Okay. Let's think about this because this really, it bothers me when people say this. When you go buy a car and then that car has trouble. Did you know that was going to happen? (laughs) Yeah. No. You buy a house, and then you realize that there's a spring that runs underneath it, and you're going to have moisture issues. Did you know that's what was going to happen? You knew you bought a house, but you didn't know the struggles and challenges that were going to come with it. Yeah. It's the same thing. Look at a job. You get a job, say, as a customer service rep, The next thing you know, they're asking you to do other things. Well, that wasn't part of your job description. So you didn't know what you were getting into there either. I just think that's the craziest statement. You knew what you were getting into. I I know, but you hear it all the time, Mm -hmm. right? And the stigma and the stigma inside of even churches, you know, that's, that's a journey that we've been through and or family, like the family that they've never experienced it. You know, they don't understand why you can be really angry at your stepchildren when your child's acting horrific next to you and you're not angry. Like they just, they just don't understand it. It's one of those things until you experience, you have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. You don't. Yep. So you said that you lead step family groups at your church. We do. We, yeah, we try to. (laughs) (laughs) How did you get into that? Because there is a lot of stigma in the churches. And a lot of times it's because the churches feel like that if they have events for step families, blended families, things like that, that they are condoning divorce. Mm -hmm. And that's not the case. Again, it's reality. Let's face reality here. Yeah. And I think there's still, and we go to an amazing Bible believing church, you know. Um, But I still think even in 2022, divorce is almost the unpardonable sin inside of the church. I don't think anybody intentionally, at least in our church, isn't intentionally trying to do that, give that stigma, but it's how people feel, right? It's, Mm -hmm. um, and our, our pastor, our lead pastor is, um, very open. And, you know, here's the other thing is how many of the leaders in the church are divorced? Well, in our church, there's none. Right. They're all right. Mm -hmm. So they don't know what it's like. And I'll never forget with our, when the kids were little and we were going on Sunday morning and I had a conversation with our children's pastor. And I was like, well, you know, one Sunday we roll up here with five kids and the next Sunday we show up with one. And it was little things like, and, you know, I'm so thankful that they're open to listening. And our church is very, it's a non-denominational church that reaches for hurting people. So our statistic of divorced couples is very high mm-hmm. in our church, 
right? And so they were doing this little thing where every Sunday when you brought your Bible or you remembered your verse of the day or whatever, you got a coin every Sunday. And so I had one, I have one child that's like the overachiever and uh, she was so upset because she wasn't getting a coin every Sunday because she was only coming every other Sunday. And so I just went to the children's pastor and I was like, Hey, just, just telling you about this situation. And he just looked at me and goes, I've never thought about that. Right. Right. So a lot of times they just don't, it's just not even a thought in their brain. And then he kind of started looking around and like, Ooh, this is happening to a lot of these families, you know, in this church Mm -hmm. where, so I think that's kind of part of it is educating the leaders of the church, what it's like to live in a step family. Cause they, they, most of them have no idea. So that's, that's kind of where it began, I think. But even, I mean, our pastor has had us even up on the platform and interviewed us. And he was like, it's just funny. He was like, I know everybody's going to come to your small group. They need this. They need the small group. And so we lead a small group every semester, typically, or at least once a year. And we're lucky to have two or three couples. Isn't that crazy? Yes. And we have, I mean, our Sunday is Sunday um, attendance is about 3000 people. So it's a big (laughs) church. Yeah. And we get, I think the biggest one we've ever had, had four couples in it. So there's still definitely a stigma attached to you know, that that just amazes me. Yeah, I know that <laughs> I'm just in shock. I, yeah. And it's not like you charge people to come to these things. No, no. And um, we've tried lots of different times, you know, because like childcare is an issue. Right. So right. we've tried it like in between services. We've tried it like at our house on Sunday nights and had babysitters come. Like we've tried lots of different times. Like, okay, maybe that's the issue, you know, because Sundays, a lot of times that's the transition time for families, right? Yes. Yeah. So we've tried like, okay, Sunday afternoon doesn't work. Well, let's try it this day. But I just think people, especially maybe in the church environment, step families want to pretend like everything's good. Everything's okay. We're the same as this nuclear family that's Mm -hmm. showing up. But what we know is like, oh, you guys are a hot mess, just like we were, Yes, you know, and are, and Mm -hmm. are, we don't have it all together today, but I don't know. It's, it's been the biggest head scratching thing we've, we've experienced. And even our, our pastor was like, okay, I'm going to endorse it from the platform. Your guys, a small group is going to be so big. And we're like, we hope so. You know, like people need to learn some, some tools, Right. right? And that semester, I think we had two couples show up. (laughs) So it's, yeah, it is very, I don't know, head scratching. I think people like to kind of gripe about living in step families more than they want to seek out help a lot of times. But I think that's why the divorce rate is so high in second and third marriages. You know, it just goes up and up and up with every marriage. Well, I have to throw an amen on that one because you look at our Facebook group and you can tell who wants help. And who wants to just be validated in their complaints? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And it's sad to me. I see those women and I get, you can just read on there and they're so angry and bitter and I get it. I've had, Mm -hmm. I've had periods of that, you know, where I have looked at one of my stepkids and been like, oh, I just cannot stand them today. Yes. Like, I mean, I get that. I totally get that feeling, but you have to still like, 
there's a piece that you, you love your husband. I love my husband so much. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's his child. Right. So I have to remember that, you Mm -hmm. know, and I have to find some love somewhere or at least continually forgive every day and not allow myself to be bitter. Right. And I get it when people feel that way because I did too. Absolutely. There was a time and people say hate is a strong word. I know hate is a strong word, but you know what? Again, it's the truth. They hated me and I hated them. And even their breathing got on my nerves. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I giggled. I listened to one of your podcasts about mealtime. Oh my gosh. I've had to let meals go. (laughs) Yes. Yes. It, It can be so challenging, but you have to... You have to want better. And part of that was realizing what I could do to make things better. But a lot of people, they, don't, they can't step back enough to see the forest mm-hmm. because they're climbing up in the tree. Yeah. Or they're hiding in the bush, whatever you want to say. Yeah. But it just, I don't, Nachoing was born out of love for David, not out of my love for the stepkids necessarily. Sure. And these people, a lot of times in the Facebook group, you can tell they're absolutely miserable. And I don't understand why they don't get help. And I'm not saying from the Nacho Kids Academy. I'm saying from anywhere. Anywhere. Mm -hmm. Some employers have, what is it, employee assistance programs where you can go so many visits to a counselor for free. There's a lot of stuff online that you can do, get self-help books. I mean, there's so much you can do rather than wallow in that self-pity and that hate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the other thing, don't you think it's true that like you can't separate what's different about a blended family is you can't separate the marriage and the children. Like they're so tied yeah. together, right? Yeah. And so it, it's crazy, like, and we, we've kind of seen that in our small groups. They're like, okay, I thought this was going to be about your marriage, right? In a step family. I'm like, yes, but those stepchildren affect your marriage. Oh, yeah. They can make or it can. or break it. They can, right? Yeah. Yes. And so that's very different from that first marriage where, you know, you got married and you didn't have children, you know, and so those first years, that was about your marriage, like trying to figure out your marriage. Well, that's not how it works in a blended family, right? They, mm-hmm. It's all the mess all together. And so it's so tied together. Like I've, I've seen people in lots of different schools of thought, you know, as long as you keep your money separate or this separate or that separate. And I'm like, it's just way more complicated than that. It is. Yeah. And I know a lot of times when people look at their partner and their partner's not disciplining or parenting their kids like they think they should. Then, say, for instance, the stepmom will say, well, I just don't find my husband attractive anymore. Mm. Well, did you fall in love with him because of how he parented? Yeah. No. I mean, you might have thought he was a good dad. And I joke about this with David. I thought David was a really, really good dad. And then we got married, and (laughs) I didn't think that anymore. Yeah. He didn't change. My perception did. Sure. And it is hard to separate your marriage from the relationship with the stepkids because they're tied to your significant other. 
but you have to focus on that marriage and let mm-hmm. them parent. And unless it's affecting you directly or your kids directly, turn a blind eye to it. They're doing yeah. the best they can too. Yeah. Parenting is tough. And the last thing we need is our partner criticizing us on how we do it. Right. And especially if they're only getting to see them four days a month. Yes. Right. Like I had to let a lot of that go because we had my children 99% of the time. Mm-hmm. And so then here would come my stepchildren every other weekend, you know, and they were getting away with whatever they wanted to get away with. Uh-huh. Well, he's not going to spend his four days a month disciplining his kids. Like, right. right. Yeah. And if you think about it, why should he? Exactly. He said all the time, he would say to me all the time and I'd be frustrated. And he's like, I'm not going to make that big of a difference in their life at this point. Like me telling them to close their mouth when they're eating, you know, or whatever it Mm -hmm. was like, I mean, I can remind them of that, but I've got four days a month to have an influence on my children. So let's worry about character or deeper issues instead of, you know, picking up their clothes off the floor or whatever. And I see a lot of stepmoms complain that the stepkids come on the weekend and they don't help clean up. Yeah. Well, if your stepkid comes on Friday and leave on Sunday, why should they have to clean the toilet that your kids have used all week? Exactly. Yep. I just, I don't agree with that at all. I'm not saying they can't pick up their mess before they leave out of their room or something like that. Absolutely. But don't have them come clean your baseboards. They they aren't there but for four days a month. Mm-hmm. And I had interviewed a lady that she told her husband to be a Disney dad because of the same thing that we're talking about. She said, stop trying to parent them because you're damaging the little bit of time you have with them. Mm-hmm. And it's not meaning let them go buck wild. No. It's just enjoy your time together. And exactly. Even with David having the kids every other week, when we got to that point, you know, because when we first got together, we had them 11 out of 14 days. But mm-hmm. when they went to every other week, when the kids would do something wrong on, say, a Sunday, they were going to mom's on Monday. So what was he going to do to discipline them? Right. Yeah. Yep. Or they come back from their mom's. And they do something wrong. Do you want to start off your time with your kids being, I don't want to say being mean, you know, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That that was definitely something I had to let go. And it helped a lot initially, probably the first three or four years when he would get them on Friday, he took them to dinner by himself. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't go. Right. So they had a couple hours to kind of reconnect with dad again without me around. Right. And honestly, that was awesome for me because transitions are hard. Those, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes they wouldn't transition to our house. We had very different houses. And so the summer they went week on week off and we would see finally by like the third day that they'd been to our house that they were finally kind of transitioning into our swing of things. Exactly. But during the school year, every other weekend, they never got transitioned. It was just kind of coming to visit. Although... Justin made it really important. It was, he had a space, they had their space, they had their room, they had their clothes. Like he, they had their toothbrush at our house. Like he never wanted his children to feel like they were coming to visit. Right. Right. Um, I think that was a key, a really huge piece 
that helped them a lot. They didn't, I mean, once they got older, if they were wanting to wear specific clothes or whatever, they would bring those over. But, but when they were little, you know, making sure that they didn't feel like they were just guests in our home, you know, that they were part of the family that unfortunately they just got to come infrequently, you know, Mm -hmm. initially, but those were hard times, but I think that's where kind of instinctually I was like, I just nachoed that time. Like if that transition's hard for you, don't be there. Right. You know, don't, don't put yourself in that situation. Right. Let dad and the kids go have an enjoyable evening without tension at the table. Mm-hmm. Like it was better for all of us. It yes. was way better for all of us. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I know sometimes when the transition days we don't understand what these kids are going through because we are so wrapped up in how we're hurting and we feel like we don't have a voice and all the stuff about I, 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 that we forget yeah. these kids, like you said, they're coming four days a month or even every other week. They don't have that stability that we did growing up in a quote, quote, nuclear family. Mm-hmm. I remember one time one of the kids left their PS, whatever it was, (laughs) at their mom's. And so David went to go meet her to get it. And I'm thinking, what? (laughs) Why? First of all, you're not teaching them to be responsible. Secondly, they can live without that game for a week. Mm -hmm. But what's so funny is he met her like 10 minutes down the road, 15 minutes down the road, right? My son would call me and say, I forgot such and such. I would drive 30 minutes to his dad's house. Right. And leave it at the bottom of the driveway. Yep. Yeah. I know. So it's a fine line, right? Because you do want to teach them responsibility, but at the same time, it's not their fault that they're living in two homes. Right. Right. They, They didn't choose that. They didn't choose to have their parents get divorced and have to live in two homes. So what's the line that you draw, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that's where having some grace. Oh, there's a lot of grace. You know? Yeah. And we were talking earlier about the growth that you have. I have grown tremendously during this process. Mm. I feel like I've aged 800 years, but. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) I I now look at things differently. And I tell people all the time that I don't just nacho with the blended family. I nacho life in general. Right. Yeah. If if it's stressing me out, if the car is riding my butt and I feel myself getting all angry about it, I will pull over and say, have a nice day. You you go right ahead with your speedy Gonzalez self. Yep. Rather than it upsetting me. Absolutely. I think the journey has made me definitely a better person, a better human being. Yes. Right? Yes. I, I agree. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this. A lot of stepmoms will say, I feel left out. When he goes to dinner with the kids on Friday by himself, I feel left out. Did you ever feel that way? And the reason I'm asking that is because I didn't. No, but I think it's because like we had my children all the time, like literally almost all the time. Mm -hmm. And so, no, I don't, I I mean, I I try to think back. I'm like, what is, 
I just didn't. I just, I think I, but I watched him grieve so much too. Right. For his children and for time for his children that I think I was just excited for him when he got to see them. Right. You know, when he got to spend that time with them. So, no, I never really, now the whole like insider outsider thing, absolutely. I think there's times in, step families that everybody plays the role of being an insider. And then sometimes you feel like you're the outsider. Right. Mm -hmm. And those moments are still coming. Um, Our oldest is engaged to get married and like she just bought her wedding dress. Well, we've always been really, really, really close to each other, but her mom was there. Of course, her mom's going with her to buy her wedding gown. Right. Mm -hmm. Of course. So, but I'm not invited. Right. And not because she doesn't want me there, but because it would just cause the situation to be really stressful. So there are those moments, I guess, maybe of me feeling like you're an outsider. You are an outsider, right? right? But not not ever jealous, I guess, not jealous of time. Yeah. And and I think with me, like you, I had my son to focus on. Mm -hmm. But also, I enjoy my alone time. Mm -hmm. First of all, I like to chill. I don't like a lot of noise and... Plus, I can entertain myself. I am I'm quite funny to myself sometimes. Yeah. So <laughs> I enjoy that time. I think a lot of the moms that feel this way or stepmoms that feel this way, they are childless or child-free stepmoms. Mm-hmm. But feeling like an outsider, I think I most feel that way when they start talking about things that happened prior to me being in the picture. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Just conversations of, oh, yeah, dad, remember when we did this? And it used to bother me, I guess you would say. But then I started saying, well, tell me about it. Mm -hmm. It's not a bad thing that you did stuff before me. Tell me about it. That sounds interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Like, let me relate to it some. Right. And there's a difference. I remember one of the kids, it was our first Christmas here, and Jackson went to go help decorate this little tree that they had, a little ceramic tree. And one of them said, no, that's our tree, and we do this. I'm thinking, oh, no, little boy. Yeah. (laughs) No, you're not going to exclude my kid like that. And so this was in the beginning. I know I didn't handle it properly. (laughs) So I'm not even going to tell you what I said. But... Over time, David and I learned to convey to the kids that there are things that you did as a family and things that Jackson and I did as a family that we can keep separate and things that we need to mesh, Mm -hmm. but we never need to intentionally leave somebody out. Yeah. Yeah. And establishing those family rules, I think, I wonder sometimes, too, if that's where a lot of the frustration is. Like that sounds like you guys made a family rule, right? Mm -hmm. Like here's the rules in our house, period, right? That helped us so much at the beginning. Here's the behavioral expectations inside of our home, period. Be kind. For everybody. Yes. 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 And then those other outlying behavior issues, you know, the primary parent handled those. But they don't know the rules because they're learning too, right? Mm -hmm. Unless you guys give them to them. They don't instinctually know, right? right? They were probably, they probably weren't trying to exclude him necessarily being mean. They were probably trying to protect their tradition, right? Yeah, because it was but just all the, four of them for so long. Yes. Yeah. 
But as the step parent, you're like, how dare you? You yeah. know, it's, it's I'm going to take that tree and throw it out the door. Nobody's going to decorate it. That's not <laughs> that's what right. I said. That's not what I said. <laughs> no. Yeah, but that's how you feel. Yeah. You know, because you feel like your kid's being treated as the redheaded stepchild. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But again, yeah. it bothered me more than it bothered Jackson. Sure. Because yep. I took him and I said, well, come on, let's you and I do this. And we'll decorate our own thing. And he said, no, I'll just watch them. And I said, but they want to do this on their own. He said, I don't have to do it. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then I'm thinking, you evil kids being mean to my sweet yep. baby boy. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. There's um, definitely moments. But I think keeping your eyes on the long game, right? Mm-hmm. Play, play, the, play the long game. Yes. It helps you in those moments. Right. Yep. Like being able to stop and take a breath and go, okay, what is this going to have an effect on in 30 years? Right. Is it right? really going to matter? Yeah. 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 That's the check that's been the hardest for me to implement in myself. Like, right. Cause I am a fiery, like I just, I'm a truth talker and I'm a, I'm that fiery person. And so me too, girl, um, but you have to so, learn to pause and that's hard. Ooh, it is hard. Yes. Yes. But it's so beneficial. Yes. Yes. You have to pause and think, is this going to matter in five days, five months, five years, whatever, is what I'm saying out of love. Mm -hmm. If I say something, is it going to change anything? Is it going to be helpful? A lot of times, once you go through that process, you're like, no, I ain't saying nothing. Yeah, absolutely. And is it going to hurt or help my marriage? Right. You know? Um, Yeah. Because our marriage is the number one thing, right? That we focus on. And that's hard to do in a blended family, right? Is yep. to make is to make the transition where your marriage is before your children, because it's really easy to put it the other way. Yeah. And see, I struggle with that because when I hear that, my mind jumps to extremes where if David said, if Jackson doesn't go live with his dad, then we're getting separated. You know what? Oh, yeah. Bye. No, 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 I'm no. gone. But see, that's, yeah, that's what I hear, and I think a lot of people yeah. hear it that way. But my son is first. When I say that, it's because I'm responsible for him. Sure. But my yeah. marriage, Jackson knows my marriage is important to us, and mm-hmm. he knows, I mean, if he came to me and said, I just don't like David, and you better get divorced, and I'd be like, uh-uh, no, we're going to work through this. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because I think a lot of times people hear that and they do jump to extremes of, oh, well, I have to put my marriage first at the detriment of my child. No, no. No, but if you're in a mutual loving, you're focused on growing love, right? Right. Your 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 spouse's children are part of them, mm-hmm. right? So you want good for them as much as you do for your spouse, right? They're connected. And that's kind of where that package deal is there. It is a little bit of a package deal. You know, I mean, there is, I guess, a little bit of truth of like, you knew what you were getting. You did know that there was children involved, right? Yeah, we knew that know, much. <laughs> you know, we, we did know that. We did, had no idea what that was going to entail. Right. But we did know that that was part of it, right? Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know, just finding that balance of like where you're still building your marriage, focus time on your marriage. And initially we did that for years with, we protected date night. We did a Wednesday date night every week and we protected that as much as we could. 
So that doesn't mean if one of my children had something pop up or one of them was sick or something like that, that we were like, nope, forget it. Marriage is number one. Like, no, that's not it. But putting some priorities on that marriage, then when we were in those heat of the moment things where I'm just really angry at my stepchild and I want to go, I could stop and say, is me blowing up? going to hurt or help the situation? And is it going to affect my marriage? Well, absolutely. It's going to affect my marriage because I'm going to make him defensive and protective of his children. And then a lot of times what happened happens still happens with us is like you attack my child. Well, then I'm going to attack your kid. Oh yeah. Tip for tat. Why is that the fastest place to go? It is though. Mm-hmm. Well, your kid did da, 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 da. Uh-huh. and, and that's your marriage deteriorating, right? Because yes. you're, you're keeping score. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but it's hard and, it is. and uh, we've messed up a bunch, but thankful for grace every day. Yes. <laughs> and yes. And forgiveness, right. And a spirit of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But, well, I do have one thing that I want to ask you before we wrap up. You were talking about the stepdaughter picking out her dress. Yeah. Did she tell you you weren't invited or did you just assume? Oh, I just knew. Yeah. 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 It's, you know, and that's where being the stepmom, like I would have loved to have been there. Right. I would have loved to have experienced that with her because I, I do love her. You know, we've had, we've had a journey in our life, you know, and she's not my, I, I tell her all the time, she's my kid, but I mean, I think her and our relationship is to the point where I'm like an aunt to her, right? I would say that's kind of our relationship. So I would love to have been there. However, I knew I wouldn't be asked. I knew not to ask to go because all that would have done is ruined her day. There would have been so much stress. Like she couldn't have ever. And I still kind of hate it for her because I know it's so bad that even my husband's mom, even the grandma, anything attached to us can't be present. Mm -hmm. around her mom. So even her grandma didn't get to join in on that experience because of the high conflict bio mom. So I know that even in that day, there was probably still in the back of her head. uh, I know that my, at least my grandma should have been here, you know? So I hate that for her. I don't know. It just sucks. It just sucks for her, you know? Yeah, It, it does. You know, those journeys, they're just going to keep continuing, right? Thank God we don't deal with her hardly at all anymore because they're gone and raised. But you still have those moments, those life moments, right? Mm -hmm. Like those that that we're going to have to, I'm going to have to continually learn to deal with. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's like with my stepson getting married. He got married actually in Japan. So nobody was there. But when they had their first baby. Well, it's their mm-hmm. only baby right now, but it's okay. This was kind of still during COVID and who's going to be allowed in the room. Should I even try to go? Because technically I'm not family. I mean, you, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. But I was able to build a great relationship with my stepdaughter-in-law, which feels weird mm-hmm. even calling her that. I love her. Like I love yeah. her. But it was weird going up to the hospital and hanging out with the ex and, you know, passing her in the hall and all that stuff. It's like, mm, yeah. yeah, it's still weird, isn't it? Yeah. And then uh, when his birthday came this year, 
Somebody said, are you going to have two separate birthdays? And they looked at us like we were crazy. I didn't say that, but it Mm -hmm. was um, my in-laws actually that said that. And I was like, why would they have two separate birthdays? That's their family's not separate. Their family's not a step family. Yeah. Yep. And that's the time where adults have to then grow up and be adults. Right. Yes. Like, but it stinks for those children. I always just try to remind myself that because she's still, I mean, I know she's engaged and 24 and she's still a child though, like in that realm of like, it just, just to remember, I guess for me that your stepchildren are having to deal with stuff that they didn't choose, you know, like she didn't choose for that, that situation to be surrounding the day that she bought her wedding gown. Right. 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 And I think that helps you sometimes in those moments, have some empathy, you know, and, and compassion for them. Like it sucks for her. I hate that, you know, yeah. that, 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 that was, that that's her experience. That they even have to choose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. But so did you go see the baby? You did see oh, the yeah. baby. Yep. See, that's coming. I'm like, oh, I don't know. Yes. But I always just try to, I, my goal in life is to not be the issue. Right. Right. I don't want to be her issue. Well, and when we decided that we were going, we had talked about if there was only two people allowed in the room that I wouldn't go in. Mm-hmm. That's okay. I mean, yes, I wanted to see them and I wanted to see the baby. But again, I like you said, I didn't want to be the issue. I didn't want to cause them any stress about, oh, my God, who are we going to have in here? Yeah. Or who's going to be allowed? Or even just the awkwardness of being in the room with the ex. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can't hide it. No. It's just weird. No. And yeah. so we actually um, let them know when we were coming. And they let their mom know that we were coming. So she waited like 30 minutes and then she came. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. See, look, everybody being an adult. Look yep. at that. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, imagine that. Imagine that. Yeah. But yeah, it's going to, it's interesting. It's interesting. I'm excited for the grandparent stage of life. My husband keeps saying, stop saying that. But I'm like, I'm we're closer to that than we are the other. Thank God we couldn't have another one. So, but I'm excited for those moments, you know, for that stage. And I hope it's not stressful, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, I tell you Um, what. One time, I don't remember, I think they were all going to the movies, and I didn't want to go. It was like some kind of superhero stuff. I don't watch that stuff. So David and Kay and Avery were going, and I kept Gideon. And the fact that Avery let me keep his son by myself. Yeah. It was like, I am awesome. Yes. (laughs) We've arrived. (laughs) Yes. We're family heaven. We're here. We did it. Yeah. Right. I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like you said, yeah. you've got to look at the long haul, the long term. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Because in the moments when, when you were first blending, you didn't know you would get to experience that moment. Right. Or believe maybe that could even happen. Yeah. Right? I couldn't even think past how horrible supper was going to be. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And we have so, to remember what we focus on will grow. Absolutely. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's a great that's a great line yes. to, to remember. Yeah. Well, Jamie, so, thank you so much for being a guest. Absolutely. I appreciate you so much and the work that you guys are doing. I just feel like there's 
such a lack of resources for step families and how to do it right and tools out there. And so I just, I'm so thankful for what you, um, you guys are doing. Oh, well, thank you. It's important, you know? Yeah. We Um, feel that it is. Yeah. We need help. We need help. So Mm -hmm. we need true help, not just, oh, you just love them more. Yeah. That'll fix everything. Exactly. Yeah. Well, if you could just love somebody more and it fixed everything, you wouldn't be divorced in the first place. Exactly. Yep. Yes. Yes. All right. Well, stay in touch. Let us know how things are going. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me on. Thank you. David, I hate you weren't a part of this podcast interview because one of the things that Jamie and I talk about is the stigma in churches with step families. Hmm. That in some churches, divorce is the unpardonable sin. Yeah, it can be. So they're not going to have step family groups or step family resources because they're not going to condone it. Right. So they lead a step family group at church. There are over 3,000 people at the church. Guess how many people attended their meetings and the preacher promoted it? Three. About, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Only a few couples. You know, Mm. out of 3,000 people, we'll cut that in half. Say that they're all couples, right? Mm -hmm. So that's 1,500 couples. You know, at least. Hold on. So if there's 3,000 people, there's already 1,500 couples. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) But you got to cut that in half. I wasn't finished yet. Oh, okay. Go ahead. So you got 3,000 people. Okay. So cut that in half to get 1,500 couples. Okay. I see what you're saying about my cutting it in half. <laughs> All right. Because there's two people, David. Follow me. Yeah, there's a couple. Okay. It doesn't mean the couples are couples. It just means there's a couple of people. Huh? No, we're saying, we're just, <laughs> go with me, David. Just go with it. <laughs> okay. So out of 1,500 couples, right? Yeah. I would say on the low end, I'm sure it kind of depends on what state you're into. I'm sure blended families or step families are higher in certain states just like they are higher in certain countries. But if you say 1,500 couples, if you had one-eighth of those couples were in a blend, which I don't think is far-fetched at all, that's 187 people. Mm-hmm. And they had a few show up. What? What does that tell you? What does that tell you? It tells me people may be ashamed of getting help. They don't want people in their church to know how bad their struggles are. They don't want anybody to know they have struggles. They're even convincing themselves they don't have struggles. Mm-hmm. I see that often. And we know that more people than those few that joined their group need help. They can't say they don't have resources. The resources are there. Yep. But what made me think that maybe they don't want the people in the church to know their business, because everybody wants to live this Facebook life. My life is great. Mm-hmm. They don't want the Joneses sitting beside them to know that they're struggling with little Johnny and that stepmom don't love little Johnny like her own kids. <laughs> when, you know, everybody should know that everybody is dysfunctional in some way. Everybody. Every, you know, the family, every family's got some, some craziness. It's just to think that a family's got it all together. To me, that's what's crazy. Like, you mean to tell me, you don't have any drama going on or any struggles or any craziness. Really? You know what uh, we should do? 
Remember how the John F. Kennedy thing happened, and then they had the Warren Commission, mm-hmm. and they said after so many years they would release the files. Once mm-hmm. everybody was dead, is what they were doing. Wait until everybody was dead that was involved. Well, that's what we should do is say, okay, once everybody above you and your family is dead, is dead. <laughs> we gonna tell y'all the truth about how dysfunctional our families are. That's uh, that could be a while. Yeah, we might have to start another podcast. We don't mind. We'll tell you now how dysfunctional they are. I think I'll wait, but don't listen to the previous 188 podcasts because you'll figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yep. It's Dysfunction Junction. Dysfunction Junction. All right, David. So what you got to tell these people that are listening to us today before we wrap up? Join us again next week. There you go. That's all you need to know. Yep. If you keep doing that week after week after week, you'll better your blend. That's right. Maybe. But if not, join the Nacho Kids Academy. Put the work (laughs) in. Definitely do it, Darren. Yeah, you will definitely see the results. Yep. All right. All right. That's it for us. We're going to pate. That sounds like you said pate. Potty. We're going to pate. No, we're not. Uh huh. Uh huh. For us old folks, that means we're going to get ready for bed. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's time to get ready for bed. Uh, And as we do so, somebody just joined the academy. It just got to pop up. Woohoo! All right. Love it. Congratulations. Yep. Okay. Here we go. Let's move on. Remember, life is good. When you nacho. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.